We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service, like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dort. You're listening to the Uncontested What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of BoomtownHoops.com. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffen, and I am joined today by the one and only Kamiar Marabian. Uh, man, woman, person, camera, TV. And we have Nick Crane along tonight. I wish I just got done taking a nap because I am exhausted. God, I worked out. I should have taken a nap. Nap sounds good. Yeah. I enjoy nap. I haven't had a nap in like a couple of weeks. Dude, wow. me too. I'm I'm normally a a Sunday nap guy. I don't nap like all day because I want to be productive, but I always try to get like a, you know, 45 to an hour nap just to get me going, and today just didn't find the time. Oh, see, naps don't get me going. I nap, and then I'm just out for the rest of the day. Oh, really? I'm, I'm like, kind of the opposite. If I nap and then like take some pre-workout and go to the gym... My day gets back going and I'm productive and it's perfect. But oh no, I nap and then I set the alarm for like an hour and then I think, oh, you know what? Another thirty minutes wouldn't hurt. And then you're the a big snoozer, aren't say, you? You know what? 
Another hour wouldn't hurt, and then it's a three-hour nap. Regular napping is healthy for you, so I nap regularly. Maybe I need to get back in the game. You should. Nap game strong. Ask mm-hmm. Kamiar. It is very strong. Do you guys? Did you guys ever like have nap time during uh, kindergarten? Oh. Every day. I remember we had like these little cots they would get out, and did we you? would just take nap nap time. They would we, like play. Uh, I think we listened to Phantom of the Opera. We had these. Um, I guess you call them mats. They folded up. It was like four little sections that folded up, and one side was red, one side was blue, and everybody had the exact same one. I don't remember having nap time. That, that's why you nap so much now. Yeah, you're probably right, actually. You lost out on the early years, so you got to get them in now. <laughs> hey, it's a, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, man. Well, gentlemen, it is official. The Thunder are now 1-0 and down in the bubble. Bubble games have been awesome so far. Uh, they've all been, it seems, very close, highly contested, except for that Thunder-ass beating. Um, I mean, even today we're recording this Sunday night at about 9 o'clock, and even the games today, San Antonio versus uh, Memphis Grizzlies was a tightly contested game. Boston-Portland apparently came down to the wire. We've got a couple of close ones going on right now. I say close, about 10 points with the Milwaukee versus Houston game and the Suns-Mavs. It's been really good basketball so far. I mean, yeah, it's either been like really, really bad basketball as far as just blowouts or really good. Like today, I was watching the Celtics Trailblazers game and I saw the Celtics were just waxing them by like 20 plus points. And I was like, why am I watching this? So I changed the channel and then about an hour later, I turned it back on and the Trailblazers had taken a three point lead with like four minutes left in the game. And I was like, holy crap, what just happened? And then, of course, the Celtics put it away. I would say my my favorite game to this point has been that that first Houston game against the Mavericks where there was zero defense and just points after points after points. That was freaking awesome to watch. That's like it's the kind of basketball you don't want to see every single game just because there's no defense and it's fun to see some of that sometimes. But for kind of a Big 12 shootout style game, that was awesome. Boban just not even jumping and getting rebounds over guys of all the Rockets was six one seven and below. <laughs> that's that's that was my favorite part. He didn't even jump. He just grabbed a rebound over to the Rocket guys. To be fair, I think even against a normal not many team, I don't know if Boban needs to jump to get many rebounds. No. He is it's incredible, insanely large. Have you guys seen that picture of Boban shaking the hand of Fran for Fran Fridchilla or have you say his last name? I always mess it up. I have not. It's ridiculous. Like, Fran's hand is the size of, like, Boban's thumb. Do you think Boban and Kawhi's hands are the same size? I think Boban's are probably significantly Definitely. bigger. He, there's a picture of him. It's I think it's Photoshopped a little bit, but it's still kind of crazy. There's, like, a picture of him, like, biting a basketball. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it is hilarious. Everything's cake, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, like I mentioned, the Thunder 1-0 in the bubble with a, just a complete waxing of the Utah Jazz. Social media, especially Thunder Media, Thunder Social Media, Thunder Twitter, just a buzz with the hot takes. So I figured the uncontested needs to get in on this. So we are going to do our game one overreactions. Oh, so I want each each of us, all three of us, are going to fire off one overreaction or hot take after game one, and then we'll kind of debate them. So Nick, why don't you kick us off with your overreaction of the Thunder one game in? 
I'd love to. My overreaction is going to be Hamadou Diallo has finally fixed his jump shot and will get significant minutes. Significant, not meaning, you know, 30 a game, but significant minutes compared to what he normally gets because of his defensive ability as well. So not super hot just because, I mean, after that game, you know, Billy Donovan and several of the players, you know, some of the things they talked about post-game were, you know, Diallo's defense. He went out there. He was exceptional guarding, you know, uh, a variety of different guys. He shot well from the field. I don't know if his hitch is completely gone, but it looks a little bit better. He was two for two from deep. Um, you know, he had, he had a couple jumpers that looked nice. A couple that didn't go in, but like the form itself looks nice, and that's a very promising sign for a guy that's been, you know, a horrible shooter, and that's been part of the reason that, you know, even with how athletic he is, he he didn't get a lot of floor time on top of the fact that he's been hurt a lot. And Billy had. A quote, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he, he basically said, you know, Hami's a guy that, that we've thought could contribute for a long time. He just couldn't stay healthy. So if he can stay healthy going forward, he's going to be a guy that's going to be, um, you know, a big contributor for this team. And we saw that against um, the Utah Jazz in that first game. I think he was the first, you know, wing, quote unquote wing, even though he's not a real wing to come off the bench. And he played well. His shot looked good. So I'm going to say Diallo as a hot take. It's only been one game, like you said, but Diallo has fixed his jump shot and will play serviceable defense and definitely be a guy that gets minutes over Terrence Ferguson and, and gets, you know, good minutes in the playoffs. What's funny is that when me and Jake watched OKC's last scrimmage together and I looked over at Jake and I said it was so damn frustrating to watch Diallo at the free throw line because you can typically tell how good or not good of a player's jump shot's going to be just by looking at their stroke uh, from the free throw line. And his his shot is not bad or wonky or anything. Like it, He follows through really well, actually. So the fact that his jump shots are just god-awful or have been until recently makes not a lot of sense to me. Um, so, I mean... I see where you're coming from because like he's been posted up in the corners, which is the shortest three point three pointer away. And I mean I really like his I really like his ability to not just like play defense, uh just go hundred percent of the time, which can get you in trouble, especially if you're playing James Harden who just runs into people and gets foul calls without the benefit of a doubt. But I like the I like his ball handling ability. I think it's part of the reason why he's gonna be on the floor, especially with Dennis Schroeder uh likely to miss uh, quite a bit of time going into the playoffs or at least in these seeding games. And so I I don't think his jumper ha- is fixed, but I mean, it's just it's a small sample size and I'm just excited to see him rim run the entire time and we'll see what that looks like I guess tomorrow or I guess by the time you guys are listening to this today against the Nugs. Yeah, so I just did the math on it. The first 11 games of this season, Hami averaged 22 minutes a game. That's a lot. Had three inactives after that, then played 14 minutes against the Lakers, and that's the one where he got hurt on, uh, was he contesting a LeBron shot and, and got knocked to the ground? Is that right? It was that, something yeah, something with LeBron, I, I think. I think that's right. But then after that, racked up a whole lot of inactives and DNPs uh, because of the injury, uh, and then came back, was pretty consistent and spotty, but... Early on in the season, they were playing him a lot. Uh, obviously, they were starting Terrence Ferguson at that point. Lou Dort wasn't on the team at that point. 
but Hami played a lot of minutes early. So looking back at the beginning of the season, which was freaking 10 months ago, you know, so I think we kind of forget about it because it feels like the past four months have been like four years. They had apparently high hopes for Hami and, and saw something in him then. We know Hami was working on his game, working on his body during the quarantine, and he's come out. You know, I, I think we were all a little iffy on, we said during the scrimmages, you know, they're playing him, but are they going to do it when the games count? And then the game counted, and they played him. Uh, they played him 20 minutes, and he looked pretty good. I mentioned this to Taylor on the post-game pod. Hami, to me, offensively, and just his style of play reminds me a little bit of if you mixed Dre with Russell Westbrook. Like, take Dre's offensive abilities, cutting, slashing to the rim, setting screens, shooting the occasional catch-and-shoot three-pointer with just the hyper-athleticism, nonstop energy of Russell Westbrook. Not saying he's as good as either of those players, but it's um, that's just kind of what he reminds me of. So I'm interested to see, like Kamiar said, against the the Nuggets, technically, for those of you listening today, let's see what he does again because he didn't look half bad against Utah. I like that comp. I mean, I mean, definitely agree with you. It's it's not like uh, you're you're not comparing him to those exact players, but as far as like their their offensive gameplay, just the, the high motor and Russell Westbrook and the freak athleticism with. Dre's cutting ability, I don't think, you know, when, when I made that hot take, I'm not saying Diallo is going to be a 40% shooter from deep, but just when he's open, you know, knocking down some of those threes like Dre historically has. He's never been a great three-point shooter, but we've seen it, you know, especially in that in that 2016 playoff run where he was, no one was really guarding him out there and he was knocking down threes in big games. I think Diallo could be exactly that, so I totally agree with that comp. It's going to be fun to watch. And his athleticism is just that that allows him to defend so many people. Uh, we saw him get some putbacks on the on the glass, on the offensive glass because of that athleticism. So it's going to be fun to watch. I like it. Kamiar, fire off your overreaction. What do you got? Um, this is going to be a, I think I, it's not going to be a positive thing. And I think people will not like what I have to say. Uh, but just judging from one game, uh, just judging from what we've seen so far and from what we've been told quite a bit, I don't think Shea Gildas Alexander has really uh, transcended his game as much as people are suggesting he has. I mean, he, like, he looks great. He looks more lean. Uh, he looks like he can go a little faster and um, that all that stuff, but I honestly don't see much change in his game at all. So I, I'm not really... I'm not saying that, like... Oh, he's only he's just the same old Shea, the leading scorer on the team. Um, but I'm saying that maybe we are hyping his ascension over the last three months a little bit too much, and that uh, he's just the same Shea. I think I think that's I mean it's a valid point. After one game, he only had 19 points, which I think with with all the hype surrounding it, we might have expected more. But the the one thing you have to consider is you know he didn't necessarily have to assert himself, you know, he if this also was wasn't a, in the game in the fourth quarter. Right. And if this was a, <laughs> if this was a close game, I think he gets more aggressive offensively. Um, the one thing that I did notice a, his assist numbers, he had six assists, which mm-hmm. was second on the team behind Chris who had seven. So that's, that's a positive. I think what, what stuck out to me most, and, and this was talked about a lot was his, his physical frame. He just, 
from what the players and the coaches and Presti said that he just got physically bigger. He looked a little stronger. Yeah. And I think I saw some of that around the rim. Some of those finishes he made were absolutely absurd. I know he's had a lot of great finishes, um, you know, before the hiatus when he was, you know, quote unquote smaller or less physical before this jump he made. Um, some of those finishes, man, like if, if he was not the the physical stature that he was, he would have gotten knocked around and he, he looked he looked strong enough to take that contact and still finish and that's that's what stuck out to me. So I I agree with you. I I wasn't, you know, shocked, jaw dropped, holy crap, the the hype around Shea is real. He looks like he's a completely different player. But I think that the reason we didn't see that was because it wasn't a close game and he didn't really need to do any of those kind of things. At the same point, he did look miles better than Donovan Mitchell, who was clamped the entire afternoon. And just he Lou he put take, him in the torture chamber. He takes he took those step backs with a lot of confidence. And you just you just like to see his I mean, I think that's a thing that he's gonna work on in this off season, or I guess the next off season, part two, and you don't know what basketball will look like in twenty twenty one if it happens until later with vaccinations and all that, but you like to see his release get quicker because it's still a little bit of a load up, especially in the three balls. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he did look a lot better than Donovan Mitchell, but hell, not a lot of people on Utah's team looked that good. Yeah, um, totally with you. And so that leads into my overreaction, which is well-rested Steven Adams is a problem for the rest of the league. I, he, I'm with you. He got the best of Rudy Gobert. Um, by by a, a long shot. I mean, if there wasn't a couple of defensive miscommunications and breakdowns in that third quarter that led to Rudy getting Chris Paul and then Dennis Schroeder on a switch underneath the basket for a lob, Rudy has a really disappointing game. And a- after having a really nice outing yeah. against the Pelicans, who have some decent bigs, so jury's out. We'll see what Steven does against Jokic, who has always been a thorn in his side, uh, against the Nuggets Monday at 3 p.m. But as of right now, Adams looks like a problem. And he, to me, he raises, if Adams can play like that, he raises the ceiling of this team. Um, I don't want to say significantly, but he definitely raises the ceiling of the team. We've talked about this a lot, too, is the fact that Steven Adams... The fact that he's not a guy that's going to sit out when he's hurt. I mean, I think there's a lot of injuries Steve's had this year, small tic-tac injuries that some guys would just say, I'm going to take the next couple games off to fully heal. Steve's the kind of guy that says, you know what, I'm just going to play through it. So a lot of his small tic-tac injuries aren't brought to light like they are some other players. Um, And I think that that really hurt him this year. We expected that big jump. With uh, Chris Paul running the point and maybe Steven having more opportunity offensively around the rim, he's still only averaging, I think, seven and a half shots a game, which is a lot, a lot less than we thought. But seeing him fully healthy after four months off, boxing out cows, all that kind of stuff, he certainly does look like a problem. That that the word you said, a problem, is is spot on for his performance against the Utah Jazz. Okay, so these bigs are going to get tested really, really, really big against the against the Nugs because that's all the Nugs are playing without Barton, without Jamal Murray, without Gary Harris. I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna have one of the Plumley brothers with Jokic on the floor at the same time. And, yep, and uh, Bull Bull, Bull Bull. God, 
you know, you to got, see Bull Bull matched up against Steven Adams, if that happens, Jeremy Grant, Michael Porter Jr., like you have, you would have to assume that Dre gets significant minutes just because of his size, right? You would think so, yeah. Especially after the Utah game where Dre did not play a lot, but at the same time, the Heat went small against Denver and just killed them. If if you that can, if, if you can, that's the fine line. It's like. Certain certain teams, when you match up, it's like a team like like the Denver Nuggets who play so big and and so long, um, you know, from top to bottom. God, it sounds like line. an erotic podcast. <laughs> when they're so big <laughs> and just so long, when they when they play that big though, it's like some teams try to match up and play big to to combat that. Whereas we saw exactly like Kamiar said, the Heat played small and it played off in their favor. That's tough to do. But if you can pull it off, I'm, I'm very curious to see what Billy Donovan's, um, you know, strategy is for that. Does he go small? Does he play Dre at the four and the five, or does he play Nerlens and Steven Adams a lot yeah, of minutes that's side what I'm by saying. side? Like, are you are you really going to have Gallo box out Mason Plumley, and how successful is that going to be? Or are you going to put Steven Nerlens on the floor a lot together? Here's an interesting thought, and I'm just spitballing here. With Jokic so skinny now, if they put a Jokic Plumley lineup on the floor, do you put Steven Adams on Jokic and then let Gallo or let Baisley play against Jokic? So Adams plays Plumley and one of those two fours plays Jokic? Mm. I'd rather you put Nerlens on skinny Jokic, to be I honest. I mean, it's, it's, it's another double-sided sword, though, because... Defensively, that's that's a nightmare. Just but with how good Jokic is, but back on the offensive end, if you're asking Plumley to guard someone like Baisley or someone like Dre, that's that's not going to work out in their favor either. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. So we fired off some hot takes. Um, I don't know how hot they were actually, guys. Lukewarm takes. Yeah. Some. Uh, <laughs> I ordered my food, but then I got busy and it stayed on the counter for like two hours, and now I'm finally getting around to eat to it. No heat uh, lamp. Yeah, no heat lamp. Uh, it's just a little room temperature lukewarm take. So uh, maybe next time we'll have to fire it up a little bit. Um, but before we move on, Nick needs to tell you guys about a new product that you should check out. Support for the Uncontested is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Let's be honest, guys. We've all had that time where we've tried manscaping and things just go wrong. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. They also just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last you up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water-resistant technology also allows you to groom yourself in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand. You can show off your mower out loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered USB. 
you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it for yourself firsthand. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code UNCONTESTED at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with code UNCONTESTED at manscaped.com. I'm telling you guys right now, I myself got the Perfect Package 3.0. That came with a variety of things, including that lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. It feels awesome. There is, you know, that that precision blade. And it feels really, really nice. There, there's kind of this this rubber feeling ceramic coat on it, so it doesn't have that sharp edge trim that you get with a lot of other trimmers. It also came with the the Manscaped ball toner. It came with the ball deodorant, and my favorite piece of that was the Manscaped underwear. So these boxers. I've never really been a guy that's, that's super into, you know, buying expensive boxers. Um, I've always kind of thought that boxers are boxers. No matter what you get, it all feels the same. My mind's completely changed. I got these Manscaped boxers, and they're extremely comfortable. They're my favorite pair, without a doubt. Um, they're not that expensive either. You can get your own pair. Um, they, they don't go for the same price that some of these other high-end boxers go for, and they just feel amazing. I also got the, the travel pack too, uh, the DOP kit, so whenever I bring all of my Manscaped gear on the road, I travel quite a bit for work. Um, you can put it all in that nice pouch, everything comes with you, and you can stay clean and Manscaped. Again, if you use promo code UNCONTESTED, you'll get 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Well, gentlemen, we got one in the books. And this week is chock full of basketball. The Thunder have four games between now and the next time we record our weekly podcast. So I figured we need to make some predictions on what the next week looks like. And then after we make these predictions, we're going to drop a poll on Twitter so we can hear what the fans think as well. So the Thunder play Denver Monday, 3 o'clock. Then they have the Lakers Wednesday. I believe that's a 5 or a 5.30 p.m. tip. They have Memphis on Friday, which I think is an afternoon game. And then bright and early Sunday morning, 11.30 a.m. Central Time. That's bright and early for me because I haven't been to work in four months, and so I wake up at 11.30 every day. The Thunder take on the corpse of the Washington Wizards. So, Kamiar, Nick, what are your thoughts about this upcoming week, and what is your projection? I mean, I feel like a lot. I think all three of us are probably going to agree on what's going to happen. I think it's it's pretty obvious that Oklahoma City uh, has an advantage playing Denver tomorrow with, uh, you know, with no Barton, with no Gary Harris, and with no Jamal Murray. All were the, three. So, were all the three of those already announced? Uh, two of the three, Barton and Gary Harris, were highly unlikely. Um, and Jamal Murray is, I think, pretty questionable. They said so. I I wouldn't I wouldn't count on any any of those three guys playing. Uh, Barton and Gary Harris hasn't even played for a long time, and yeah. Jamal Murray, I think, is gonna be out for tomorrow. But uh, with those guys out. And OKC having their stacked full deck, I would assume Oklahoma City wins against Denver. I would assume that they get their butts waxed by Los Angeles, and they take care of Memphis, who doesn't have Justice Winslow, and Oklahoma and Stephen Adams is gonna take um, oh Jonas Jonas Valanciunas. 
I think Adams is just going to whip Valanciunas up and down the floor. Okay, see, they played Memphis, what, twice this year, right? They already played them twice. I, I believe think. so, yes. And both times, they had a pretty big issue with containing Jaw Morant. So I'm really curious about how they do with Jaw, especially with OKC now having Dre available, and it looks like they trust him to guard actual legitimate playmakers, as you saw with Donovan Mitchell, along with Lou Dort, who put the clamps on Donovan Mitchell. So I'm just curious to see what happens there. But I think, and I think we would all agree here, that OKC should win that matchup, you know, pending that Dennis Schroeder is still with the team and not with his wife, Ellen, uh, because of the birth of their child. And then uh, the Wizards just suck. They're there because they were told to be there. Uh, so OKC should be going 3-1 and one this week, which puts them in a pretty positive spot, especially with the Jazz losing. The Jazz should have lost to the Pelicans in the first night. And I think the Rockets are losing to the Bucks right now, but just slightly. So that would put OKC in a really good position to even overtake the third seed in the West. So yeah, if they win, if they beat Denver, they'll have the tiebreaker over yeah. Denver as yeah. well. So so Calmer is going three and one. Nick, do you have any altering opinions there? Um, no, I I think three and one is is what I'd go with as well. And the tiebreaker is super underrated. You know, in the in the in the scenario that Oklahoma City does tie tie Denver, um, you know that that's a huge game. That that would give them the tiebreaker over Denver. They they've already got it um, over the Jazz. I believe they've already got it over the Rocket. Mm-hmm. So that puts them in a situation where, you know, it, it almost gives you an extra half game advantage because if you tie any of these teams, you you automatically get. Um, the tiebreaker over them. I would say three and on as well. I could totally see them slipping up against one of these teams and going two and two, but I would yeah. I would see two and two as an absolute worst case scenario. It's so, pretty crazy because Oklahoma City has not been the beneficiary of tiebreakers the last few years, it feels like. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Um I mean we even saw it uh I God, it feels like so long ago last year with the the Portland matchup. Remember everything yeah. had to fall right because OKC didn't have tiebreakers. And we, we thought it was falling right. Maybe it felt fell very, very wrong. Remember but. when OKC lost like all four games to the Timberwolves when they weren't that great? Yep. That's the Thunder always had problems with those Timberwolves teams. So the the Cat Wiggins, Wiggins. teams. Gosh. So Taylor and I got this question on the postgame podcast the other day, and we didn't touch it then because we wanted to get into it today. Someone asked, what is more likely – the Thunder drop to the seven seed in the West, which they are currently up two and a half games on the Dallas Mavericks, and get their own pick back from Philly, or the Thunder climb to the three seed, which they're only a game and a half behind, and have, again, a matchup with the Denver Nuggets at three o'clock on Monday. What do you think is more likely to happen there? The Thunder fall to seven or rise to three? I think it's definitely rise to three. I, th- I think both are, are highly unlikely. I think they finish four, five, or six. But Dallas, <clears throat> just with their, their defensive struggles, they do have the Suns twice. And, and as we're recording, this will be stale news by the time we, we drop the pod. They're only beating the Suns right now by eight, and, I, and they play them again. So I think that'll be two easy wins. But I think they're going to struggle against some of these other teams that it can actually put the ball in the hole. I think it would be uh, very difficult for them to fall to seven. I I would definitely think the three seed is more likely, but um, that's an interesting question because if you lose to the Nuggets, that completely changes my point of view here. You know, 
if you look at the schedule and honestly, you look at the games that Oklahoma City has superior talent, Oklahoma City could go and like this is of course this is all contingency based upon that everybody's able to play, nobody's hurt, all that other stuff. Oklahoma City could go six and two out of the eight games. And if you beat Denver and you continue and you just lose to the two LA teams, who knows? The Clippers have already maybe have already just secured the second seed and they might even rest on that last night. OKC could legitimately go seven and one, six and two, whatever. Uh, that would secure, that would get them pretty close to the third seed and definitely locking up the fourth seed. So I think it'd be more likely because, like, okay, see, so he has to play the Suns and whoever else, like, besides after these games, like, who the, the, the Suns, the Wiz, the Miami, who they are definitely capable of beating, especially if Jimmy Butler keeps on missing tests. You know, it just. It looks a lot more like OKC slipping upward to three and four than anywhere near to seven. I think I'm with you guys. It's I. That's not a thing I thought we would be discussing on this podcast. If you would have asked me two or three weeks ago before the scrimmages happened, um, but here we are, you know. And and so it's a. I think it's a real possibility. Um, I and for the record, I'm with you guys. I think three and one. This week of Thunder basketball is probably uh, pretty spot on. Um, obviously, they're going to have a really hard time playing the Lakers. Just that size is going to be really difficult for them. That is a game where if Dre is ready to go, I think you're going to see him get some significant minutes because the Thunder just have nobody else to guard LeBron James. I mean, in the last matchup that they played against the Lakers where LeBron played, uh, the game actually we mentioned earlier where Homie got hurt, Hamadou Diallo and Terrence Ferguson regarding LeBron James. That's just not a good plan. And so if Dre is ready to go, he's the best body type to guard LeBron. I just, it's just unreal to me to think, oh, Dre, you haven't played in what, was it 900 days? Yeah, 909 days, I think. Like, oh, Dre, by the way, you haven't played 909 days. The last time you played... You were actually teammates with Carmelo Anthony, and you guys are actually trending really, really well. Oh, by the way, you had a really like horrible and horrific uh, injury on your leg. Now go guard the best basketball player maybe ever, and go guard three of the top four wings in the NBA. Most notably, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, who's been an M- has Kawhi Leonard's been an MVP, right or no? I don't think Kawhi, Kawhi hasn't won MVP, okay, but he's, he's got two close. finals MVPs. Okay, so. that's what I was thinking of. So Kawhi, PG, and LeBron? Are you kidding me? That's a tall uh, like that's a, that's a tall order to ask. But I feel like OKC might just do that because I didn't think I don't think I didn't think Dre was going to get substantial minutes, and so I'm going to have to owe everybody on the pod twenty dollars <laughs> because I was like, oh, he won't get legitimate minutes, and he's closing out the first half against the Jazz by guarding. Donovan Mitchell and not one of their like not Joe Ingles. Yeah. So I was like, oh God, he actually is gonna get legitimate minutes if that's the case. And he played well. He ate like Jordan Clarkson shot. Just like oh, pinned God. That it was crap a two handed block. The, he just pinned that crap off the glass. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm owing people money here. So it's just man, it's a lot, but good for Dre. Yeah, really, really good for Dre. I'm super happy for him. So we'll throw this on Twitter as a poll to see if you guys agree with us on a three and one week. Um, Nick mentioned, you know, two and two wouldn't be surprising. Anything below two and two would be shocking. Absolutely shocking. Like if they go two and two 
or one and three. No, two and two is okay. If they go one and three or zero oh and four, um, we're probably having a meltdown pod seven days from now. I mean, it's it's like the the first two games, the first three games. You've got Jazz, you've got Nuggets, you've got Lakers. They've already got one of those down. Those are those are some of their harder games. So if you win against the Nuggets and drop the Lakers, oh well. You've got the Washington Wizards, the Phoenix Suns, the downward trending Miami Heat. You've got the Clippers in the last game. And like Kamiar said, they, they may be resting their guys. They probably have something clinched by then. We might... You know, not see them them playing Kawhi or PG for load management at all. Like, like there's there's definitely a chance that, in my opinion, like finishing out the rest of this. Um, you know, I said two and two is the worst here. Now that I look at the schedule, like losing two games the rest of the way is is looking like a, a, a not an easy task, but like a very manageable task. Yeah, even yeah. without Dennis Dennis Schroeder, I mean, because the Suns are there just to be there. The Wiz are there just to be there. And so those are two games that you should win. Memphis are going to be competitive, but Oklahoma City is a better team. Miami is going to be competitive, but Oklahoma City should be on a normal day when, you know, I think the last time Oklahoma City played Miami, they were unconscious from three. Oklahoma City is the better team. They have the the better lineups. So they should lose really Two to three across eight games. That's why I was thinking five and three, four and four, uh, for the worst case scenario. It's 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 definitely doable to get the three or four seed. So is it safe to say that that Philly pick or that that Oklahoma City pick that will be conveyed to Philly in your guys' opinion? That's that's gone, right? I mean, look what they did last night against the Pacers, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't have high hopes, and I'm not worried about getting that pick back at this point. Um, and you guys talking about, you know, the Thunder should only lose two games. I think they're going to be favored in all but those two L.A. games. Like, I legitimately think they're going to be odds-on betting favorites in all of these games except the Lakers and the Clippers. Crazy to think, man. Chris Paul, 0.2% chance to make the playoffs, 31.5 win total in Vegas. Like, what a what a transition. Yeah. They're going to blow that 315 over, under, out of the water without playing a full season. It's pretty incredible stuff. Well, guys, before we move on to Around the Association, I want to take a quick minute and tell you guys about DealDash. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best and most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you never believe. They have over a 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it all works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at only $0 and goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item's yours. If you go ahead and buy in now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon signup on top of all the other discounts you get. Just go to DealDash.com and use the offer code UNCONTESTED or DealDash.fm slash UNCONTESTED. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash UNCONTESTED. Well, gentlemen, since we've had actual basketball, it is time that we go on another trip around the association. 
I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. <laughs> Never gets old. Kawhi had another moment too. It's it's worth noting. Uh, even even we haven't seen the uh, the ha 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 recently. We did see uh, Marcus Morris trying to do bunny ears on him, and he yeah, that was just the dirtiest face. Yeah, Kawhi just looked like a, a robot. Yeah, and basically, angry. like I mean, I was thinking, I was actually, and this is gonna sound he kind of looks depressed. So I was just thinking about this today. Kawhi is is an interesting dude because you look at the choices he had in front of him this past off season. And instead of going and like pulling LeBron and pairing up with two other superstars or anything, or joining LeBron like he could have, or going to a team that's already won a title like uh, Kevin Durant did, he leveraged his way into really starting his own duo of pretty good talent of course in Los Angeles with him and Paul George so that's something like that honestly I know the Spurs fans don't like him and like understandably so and the Raptors fans are just really happy that he gave them a title but I have respect for Kawhi for making that move and taking the competitive route instead of doing what Kevin Durant has done and doing what others have done I really like that he's done that but yeah his his personality makes it really hard to like him or even really get a read on him I don't know why he would be trying to brand himself so hard if he's just not really a likable person. It's not because he's unlikable. It's just, he's just, it's, there's nothing there. It's like watching Jalen Hurts do a press conference. There's no substance and there's no humor. It's just a dude just playing basketball, which I get. That's all he wants to be. He doesn't want to be some sort of figure that stands out, but man, it's hard to market that. And it's hard to market your Kawhi Leonard brand. Uh, if you do that, but I really respect um, him as a person for doing what he did. I was thinking about that earlier. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, did you guys see the Chris Haynes piece today about one of the barbers that's down in the bubble um, and he got there because of Kawhi Leonard? Yep, I did. No, I, didn't. I, didn't. I don't even know Kawhi Leonard got his hair cut. I just thought <laughs> he had to get like his gears oiled or something. Yeah. So, all right, well, gentlemen, let's talk about the eighth seed in the West because it is getting interesting out there uh, with those, what is it, five teams? One, two, three, four, yep. five, six, six teams, whatever, that are competing for the eighth seed. Um, Memphis currently holds the eighth seed at 32 and 35, but Memphis is 0-2 in the bubble. Two games they very easily could have won and didn't. The Spurs, on the other hand, are now up to the nine seed, and they are 2-0 and in the bubble, uh, actually beating Memphis today. Portland, 1-1 and in the bubble. They are now 10th in the West. New Orleans, 0-2. They've dropped two games, including just a total ass-beating by Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers. New Orleans is 11. Sacramento is 0-2. And, uh, and they are 12th. Phoenix, 1-0. and uh, currently on my TV playing against the Dallas Mavericks, and I just watched Cameron Payne hit back-to-back three-pointers, and I could not be more happy for Sid the Sloth. He looks exactly like Sid the Sloth. Phoenix might go 2-0, and um, which is going to bump them up right next to the Sacramento Kings. So with all that being said, I want to know, now that we've got some games under our belt, 
Who do you guys think is making the eighth seed? Who is going to end up? What two teams are going to end up in that play-in game or those play-in games? I guess it's it's so sad because <clears throat> I mean we there, there's all this hype surrounding this this chase for the eighth seed, and you know half of these teams chasing, including the team that's in the eighth spot, are zero and two to this point. And you got to remember the Grizzlies at eight and all the teams under them are below five hundred. Like. These teams are not great teams. I think everybody wants someone that's going to play the Lakers and be entertaining. You know, you want to see Zion. You want to see Ja. I don't think many people want to see the Spurs, although they've they've played the best at this point. It's going to be super interesting to see who actually, you know, earns that playing game or playing games and, and who ends up with the eight seed. But... If I were a betting man and I had to choose a team that was going to, I'm still going to go with the Portland Trailblazers. I know the game today was was down to the wire and they, they took a loss, but just top to bottom talent, you know, playoff experience, experience in, in tight games and, and really meaningful games in general, they're by far, you know, the Spurs don't have LaMarcus Aldridge who would have given them an edge. They're by far the team, in my opinion, that, that can come into these eight games and, and, and make some noise and maybe challenge the Grizzlies in some of those playing games to, to secure that eight seed. Man, it's, it's hard. It's hard to say. I don't, I don't trust the Grizz to stay in that eight spot because they're just eh, too much youth. Um, they don't have uh, Justice Winslow, who I think would have really actually helped them. And I thought I thought the Pelicans would take that, and they pissed away the game against the Jazz, which really frustrated me on opening on the opening night because they had like a double digit lead for the majority of that game. They just couldn't get it done. And so I was hoping McMahon that, that first round matchup with the Lakers. I mean, they could probably take one at least. And so now it's like, okay, who else is left? And I don't trust the Trailblazers because, I mean, yes, you have CJ and you have Dame, and that's really it. I mean, you have Nurk back, and he's a really he's a big deal. But besides those two guys, I mean, if some jumpers aren't following, it, it's just not going to work out for them. And I don't trust the Kings, of course. I don't trust Phoenix. Uh, and I'm left with the San Antonio Spurs, who've looked really good. They have a system in place based on ball movement, so they don't have to really rely on stars as much, as you can see. And you got DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, who might be a little bit faster since he cut his hair, playing DeMar DeRozan at the four a lot. And they just, Rudy Gay, Zeller, I mean, it's hard for me not to like them to actually move up because Pop is undefeated. Uh, Pop is always Pop, and... No, we always downplay their teams, and then when it comes time to win, uh, they, they somehow figure it out for the last, like, what, 22 years? So it's hard for me to just not bank on 22 or how many years of straight playoff pushes, regardless if they're going to get their ass whipped in the first round of the playoffs. So I would say, say right now, especially with the Sixers reeling, that the Spurs are going to win that game, and they're going to somehow sneak into the eighth seed. I don't know if the Spurs will get to the eighth seed, but I think they're going to be in that play-in. At least in a play-in, yeah. Play -in. Yeah. I mean, the zombie Spurs, man, they're always there. They're going to extend the playoff streak. I'm with Nick. Portland uh, does have the firepower. Um, I don't know. Memphis is young, but I love their talent. I think they're going to figure it out and win some games. If I, if I had a bet right now, I would say Memphis, San Antonio win those play-in games. 
Uh, but it's kind of up in the air. I don't think the Kings, New Orleans, or Phoenix are going to make it in after such a poor start. Uh, but you never know. I mean, we still have a lot of these teams still have six games left. So we'll kind of see what happens. But I am pulling for, I, I don't care who it is. I just want that eighth seed play in tournament. That way we get more basketball. Agreed. That's just kind of where I'm at. That's so, selfish of you, but I love it. Yeah. So let's kind of shift league wide. After the first weekend of the bubble, who do you think are the contenders? Obviously, we have the Bucks, we've got the Lakers and the Clippers. Outside of that, any other teams that you think, man, if if the things just fall right, if the dominoes go the right direction, this team could make it to the finals. They could make some noise. Raptors for me. I'm right there with you. God, they are impressive. I, and this is... Um, we're, we're doing this live pod right now. The The Houston Rockets are down one to the Milwaukee Bucks with Russell Westbrook at the line mm-hmm. with about 25, 30 seconds left. You know he's going to split these, right? Well, it's it's like they play he, – he made the first. They, they play no defense, and we saw that against the Mavs. Like they scored 75 in the first half and were down 10. Um, they've shot like 61 threes tonight to this point, and there's still time left. But – just the the offensive firepower they have is absurd. Russell Westbrook makes both free throws, puts Jeez. Houston up one with 28 seconds left. Must be like, nice. They have so much firepower, and, and the reason I'm saying this, Jacob, you said if the dominoes fall right, this team could could get to the Western Conference or to the Conference Finals or, or be a contender. This Houston Rockets team, like I could I could a I could see them getting beat in the first round. But it's weird to say at the same time I could see them making a lot yeah. of noise and being in the Western Conference Finals there's, and beating an L.A. team. There's so feast or famine. Like you said, Like either they will be on or they will just not work at all. And, it, and like it, it, they just remind me of just a bunch of dudes that can play your local Y. None of, none of them are a center. They just a bunch of dudes that are running around trying to shoot threes and trying to drive to the rim because there's no guy that's going to have a post-up game whatsoever. And it can be really, really effective as much as it can be detrimental to their to their winning. And, of course, right now, it's working out well for them. Like, yeah, if you have Jeff Green playing the center position? Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. But, man, like, I can't, like, I can't take it away from him because Jeff Green and P.J. Tucker playing the five has been working for them for a minute, especially if Russ is actually playing well and not being baited into those threes. I mean, I could, I could all, I've said that too, Nick. I could definitely see them really make it to the conference finals and even maybe maybe even the NBA finals if they're really just on. Yeah, Kamir, I think you hit the nail on the head. They're feast or famine, right? We And you mentioned the, the three-pointers can can be, oh my goodness, sorry. I'm watching the, the Phoenix game and Ricky Rubio just had a nutmeg in the pick and roll for a layup. That was disgusting. Um, they shoot so many threes that they can blow you out. But if they're not hitting, it's kind of just the luck of the draw. We saw they should have went to the NBA Finals and then just could not hit anything against the Golden State Warriors. And Chris Paul was hurt too, though. So Yeah. Um, but, you and know, this is without many, Eric Gordon, by the way. Yeah, yeah, which is really impressive. Um, but they missed, like, what, like 28 straight threes in that game or whatever? Yeah. It, it can be your blessing and your curse. And it's, you know, if they are hot and they catch a two-week streak where they just can't miss – they're going to end up in the Western Conference Finals and pushing one of the L.A. teams. And I, If they get cold, they could lose to the Denver Nuggets in the first round. Yep. And, and I, I've got one more I want to talk about, and I was not sold on them until today. I know it's, oh, one good game. But 
I I've all season long have said the Celtics will not be great just because they don't have like a solid center that I think is good enough to carry that team. But man, today with Tatum and Brown and Cantor played well off the bench and Kemba Walker looks good. I mean, top to bottom, that that's that's a great team. It's a great coach team. I, I know the the uh, Toronto Raptors have looked really really good. They just blew out the Lakers last night. But in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics look exceptional. I think all three of those teams at the top of the East, the Raptors, the Bo- the Boston Celtics, and the Bucks are really good teams. The Raptors' defense is elite. Like, they are just so locked in and so good. Um, I really like that team a lot. Pascal Siakam, I love OG Ananobi. Uh, Kyle Lowry's playing great. They've got Gasol and Ibaka. They just, they have good players, and I think they're really well coached. So it's going to be interesting. Um, so it looks like we we all have basically three teams in the East, three teams in the West that we think can can make some noise, which is it's kind of exciting. Guys, to wrap up around the association, I wanted to play a game of bigger surprise. I'm going to list two things that have happened in the bubble, and I want you to tell me what is the bigger surprise. First up, Kamiar has already mentioned this. We've already mentioned both of these, actually. What's a bigger surprise? The Pacers beating the 76ers with no Sabonis and no Brogdon, or Dallas blowing a huge lead against Houston and losing the game? That's tough. I'm going to say, gosh, Dallas, the Dallas situation is like over the last 20, 30 years, I forget what the actual number was. There was a couple hundred games played in which a, a team was in the situation the Rockets were, you know, down seven with a minute 15 left, I think it was, and only out of those couple hundred games, only twice did that team end up coming back and winning, and the Rockets did that. They were the third team to do that. So that is, like, shocking in itself. But the Mavs, this has been the story of their season. They've been the best offense in league history. But when it comes to the clutch this season, they're 29th. Luka Doncic, after that game, is 0 for 10 on on game winners or shots to tie it in the fourth quarter or overtime. Um, and you know, in the final minutes. So that's been the story of their season. I think they've lost um, like 12 or 14 games down the stretch in which they were winning. So that part, just those stats in general, I'm not shocked that the Mavs ended up like losing that game for themselves. So I'm going to go with the, the Pacers win without Sabonis and Brogdon. I mean, it's, it's, I think it speaks for itself. The Sixers as a roster, just look at their roster should be playing a lot better than they have been and not Joel Embiid and Shake Milton about to have a serious issue on the court. Uh, but here we are, and the Pacers just, they, they beat them, man. And this plays into the next thing about T.J. Warren, you know, going off. But, yeah, I think it's far more surprising that the Pacers just, they beat the Sixers because the how Dallas plays, it does not shock me because they, they, they just want to outscore teams. And if they go cold for, like, Five, six minutes, uh, they've got some serious issues. Especially Definitely. against a team like the Rockets. Yeah, right. So on to the next one. Kamiar, you just kind of uh, teased it a little bit there. Bigger surprise, Spurs go 2-0 and to start the bubble, or TJ Warren scoring 50-plus with the go-ahead bucket to beat 
Philly. TJ Warren, hands down. I mean, you you don't expect TJ Warren to drop fifty points on you. You can you can see Pop maneuvering his way through a somewhat weak schedule uh, as far as like Memphis and uh, Sacramento. You can see that happening, but. Man, TJ Warren dropping fifty plus. Not what, did he have, have nine threes? On. Is that right? Nine threes. Yeah, I yeah. Don't I think know. he was nine for twelve. Jesus Christ! And for, I'm pretty sure the Bucks just lost. Yep, Bucks just lost to Houston. Um, I I'm I'm with you, Kamir. TJ Warren is a guy that's that's known for getting buckets. Like that that's kind of been his mo his whole career. He's averaged you know roughly nineteen a game over his last three NBA seasons. What's most shocking, I you know, 50, 53 points is shocking. Like the fact that he dropped fifty, especially you know being the first game back, is is incredible. But to me, what's the most shocking is the nine threes. He's a guy that, in three of his first four NBA seasons, shot um, the the deep ball at a low twenty percent clip. I think it was. Three of those four seasons were under twenty five percent from deep, and he and, didn't shoot many of them either. He, he did he? didn't. He did not. And and in the last two to three seasons, he's been kind of a you know if you average him out like a forty percent three point shooter, and that's not something you see in a lot of guys. And that, that gives me hope about Diallo. Like he, T.J. Warren was not a good three point shooter, and that fifty three point performance, a lot of it came behind the line. He's put a lot of work into his game in Phoenix. I remember they were talking about. T.J. Warren, after practice, would put up a thousand three pointers, and it's paid off. So, to me, the the fifty point performance is the more shocking of those two, just because, like Kamiar said, Popovich rattling off two wins in the bubble is not crazy shocking, even with how bad they've been this year with no Lamarcus Aldridge, especially in the bubble. But T.J. Warren, fifty points, mostly coming from behind the arc, is insane. So, Nick, to add some context to what you just said, T.J. Warren, rookie year. 24% from three on half an attempt a game. The next season, 40% from three on only one and a half attempts a game, and he only played half a season. Season three, 26% from three on one and a half attempts. The next season, 22% from three on one and a half attempts. And then the 2018-19 season, he shot 43% on four attempts a game. This season, shooting 40% on three attempts a game. Ramped up his percentage and really ramped up his attempts. It's 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 something you you truly do not see in this league. If you're a if you're a bad three point shooter for the first three or four years of your career, we saw it with Russell Westbrook. We always thought if he could develop a shot, like he could be really really good from deep, but he he didn't do it, and you don't see that. You know, T.J. Warren's only 26, 27 years old, so he's definitely a lot younger than Russ, but. You don't see that after four years, other than that one fluke season where he only played half a year. You don't see guys make that kind of jump. Yep. All right, last bigger surprise. Which one is a bigger surprise? Zion has played less than 15 minutes in each of the two Pelicans games. Is that a bigger surprise? Or Dion Waiters playing 20-plus minutes in each of the two Laker games. Which one is the bigger surprise? I'm going to go with Zion because if the Pelicans wanted to make the playoffs, they would be playing him more minutes than that. Dion playing that many minutes doesn't surprise me because he's – I people like to make fun of Dion. He's a good player. He's a good asset. I love Dion he's, Waiters. He's a good asset to have on a team, especially on a winning team, as you saw on the 2015-16 Thunder team that should have gone to the finals and probably won. Uh, but so he's, he's a good player despite all of his flaws. And you look at Zion in – the man, anytime the man was in the game, they were playing relatively well, and he was not even in the game in the 
in the in the Utah Jazz game in the most clutch moment. So uh, that's 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 a pretty big surprise to me, especially the Pelicans that want to make the playoffs. Yeah, no, totally. Like if you're gonna put Zion on a minutes restriction, you want him to play those minutes late in the game, and you saw the Pelicans down the stretch in that first game against the Utah Jazz where they could have used a guy like him and he was sitting out and I I get the reasons why there's been a lot of messaging from their coaching staff and front office about why that's happening trying to ramp him back up and all that stuff so I, I get why but but Dion Waiters I mean like you said he is a, a valuable asset there's a lot of kind of weird mojo around him with the the gummies on the plane and all that kind of stuff <laughs> but he's like he he gets compared to J.R. Smith like Dion and JR like are they going to be good for the Lakers they're totally different JR is a lot older he's a guy that's going to be a three-point shooter a spot-up guy Dion can run the point Dion can create he's he's a much better player in in 2020 for the Lakers right now than JR Smith is so the fact that he got 20 minutes on top of the fact that the Lakers are probably you know, increasing his minutes just so he can get familiar with the team and, and start to build that chemistry and start running that second unit isn't surprising to me at all, to be honest. So I would 100% go with Zion's uh, 15 minutes being the, the more surprising of these two scenarios. I think I'm with you guys. Um, yeah, if, if New Orleans wants any chance to force a play in for the eighth seed and, and start rising up those standings, Zion's got to play 30 minutes a night at least. Uh, so they got to get him some minutes. And Dion playing a lot isn't surprising. Uh, it's just heartwarming. It's just absolutely heartwarming. I love Dion Waiters to death. So, um, all right. Well, guys, before we finish this podcast up, I got to tell you real quick about betonline.ag. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, BetOnline. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all of which are available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all of your odds and up-to-date sports news. When you go there, remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, we're going to bring back an old segment to the podcast. Uh, We're going to close this thing out by wrapping it up. Yes, Mr. Frodo. It's over now. Hold on now. Hang in there with me. About that. Hey, can you read? Wrap it up. So, gentlemen, I figured with the wrap it up tonight, we will all three very quickly. We don't. No debates. Let's not debate it. Let's just burn through it. Give me your one through eight seed for the Western Conference when the time these eight seeding games are done. Kalmiar, you're on the clock. You've got the Los Angeles Lakers at one. You've got the Los Angeles Clippers at two. I do think Denver stays pat at three. 
OKC at four. Rockets at five. Uh-oh. Jazz are slipping to six. Got the Mavs at seven. And then the Spurs are going to win that play-in game at eight. There you go. Nick, hit us. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Pretty simple here. Um, I think these standings say, stay exactly as they sit um, coming into the bubble. The only thing I'm going to switch is rather than the Jazz at four and the Rockets at six, I'm just going to flip those two teams. So going down the list, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, Thunder, Jazz, Mavericks, Grizzlies. So I'm on board with Kamiar. I would just say um, rather than Thunder at four and Rockets at five, not that it matters because there's no home court, yeah. uh, I'm going to flip those two. Oh, man, I, I'm, I would not look forward to that series. All right, let's shift over to the East, which is maybe a little less uh, controversial. Kamiar, hit us your one through eight of the East. Oh, man, I think this really stays the same. Bucks, Raps, Boston, none of the rest really matter, to be honest, so that's what I'm going to say. All right, Nick? Yeah, I think the top three are pretty solidified. You've got Bucks, Raptors, Celtics. I mean, the the Celtics aren't going to catch the Raptors at two. They're going to be great. They're going to win a bunch of games here in the bubble. Where it gets interesting is five through eight. You know, the Pacers and the 76ers. Um, obviously, the, the Pacers just beat the Sixers, which puts the Sixers at a one game back of the Pacers. I do think the 76ers figure something out, start playing a little bit better. So I'll put them at the five. I'll keep the Heat at the four. Pacers fall down to six. Um, then it, you got Magic and Nets at the 7-8, which I don't think matters a whole lot. They're a half game apart right now, but who really cares? Just for the sake of it being fun, let's say the Nets jump the Magic back and get that 7 seed and the Magic finish up with the final slot at 8. I like it. Very good. Well, guys, another one in the books. Uh, great podcast. If this is your first time listening to... That's the wrong outro music. There we go. That sounds a little better. If this is your first time checking out The Young Contested, man, we appreciate the hell out of you. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, make sure to hit that subscribe button. We are dropping post-game podcasts after every OKC Thunder bubble game. So make sure you subscribe so you can get those right when they go live. About 30-minute episodes, so they're perfect for your drive to or from work, your evening jaw, cooking dinner, whatever. If you're a longtime listener, man, thank you so much. We're ramping it back up. We're glad you're here. Regardless, if you've listened 100 times or just one, we would love if you dropped a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast at. Also, make sure to check out all of our awesome sponsors. You can find them in the description of this podcast. And visit BoomtownHoops.com. Make sure you join the Discord because that place is hopping during Thunder Games. We have a channel specifically for Thunder Game Day chat. So go check all of that out. We will be back with you very shortly, immediately following the conclusion of the Thunder vs. Nuggets game. You can expect a post-game pod about an hour after that game completes. So we will talk to you then. Have a great Monday. Wash your hands, wear your face masks, and Thunder up. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. 
The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.